So we're going to go back to the beginning of chapter three, just so that I can put us back in uh, line with where we uh, have been. Remember that we're dealing with division in the Corinthian church, and they are dividing over their allegiance to these different leaders. I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas, I am of Christ. And that's the first thing that the Apostle Paul deals with. Now, he's going to deal with some other issues as well, but this is the primary one. And as I mentioned on Sunday, um, these sorts of divisions can, can grow deep and wide uh, in a church, can destroy a church in a country. Uh, at, uh, I, on Sunday, uh, I talked briefly at the beginning of the message about Memorial Day and asked the question, what was the war that cost more American lives than any other war? And it was the Civil War. And there were far fewer Americans back then. So as a percentage of uh, the population, the Civil War is far and away the greatest killer of Americans. So numerically, it's still the highest, even higher than World War II. But it's like 425, 450,000 American lives in the Civil War. But as a percentage of the number of citizens at that time, it was huge. And why am I mentioning that? Because that's division, right? That's people can't get along. And that's exactly what we see happening in our country. And the Apostle Paul is uh, addressing this in the church. So certainly we would want to see people at least be able to get along, to be tolerant. But in the church, it's not just about tolerance. It's about orthodoxy. It's about paying attention to God's word and believing what he says, rather than trying to get your church to be in agreement with the culture. And that I think is at issue. You, you see people dividing uh, in the Christian church according to these different movements, right? Uh, you have the reformed movement and you have Calvinists and they go that direction. And then you have the Pentecostal movement and uh, you have people that go that direction. Um, you have dispensationalism, which is uh, kind of a, a way of looking at end times for, uh, uh, as, a, as a quick way of understanding it. But a lot of people don't even know, that don't even know that term follow that movement. And if you teach something that diverges from that, then they don't want to have anything to do with you. But these, these are not essentials. The essentials are Christ and him crucified, that Jesus is God's son, that he came to earth, that he lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross, that he was buried, that he rose on the third day, and that he ascended to the right hand of God the Father, and that he will return. So there's lots of other issues that we can debate and discuss those are issues that we need to be tolerant with one another on. Sadly, I don't see that. What I see is the same type of division today that the Apostle Paul was dealing with here. Um, it is people that are, that are really following movements and men rather than seeking to follow the Word of God. And so as the result, um, we're just, we're addicted to controversy is what we are. We, we just, we need conflict to energize us. And that is what drives people to um, 
follow a certain uh, quote unquote influencer on social media or to watch a certain uh, you know YouTube video. It's well, this is controversial. You know, this stirs up that conflict. Mm -hmm. So that's why people continue to appeal to conflict and controversy. But as believers in Christ, we need to appeal to Christ. Right. We need to seek to follow him. And sadly, people just yawn and they're simply uninterested in anything that doesn't get their blood boiling, right? Get their dander up, get their, their fists up. And this is what the Apostle Paul is addressing here. So we're not going to go all the way back to the beginning. He basically told them that they were, uh, they were natural. And he said that they were fleshy. Um, said that they were acting like mere men, just being human rather than being spirit driven. So we get to the beginning of chapter three and he says, but brothers, but I brothers could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh or fleshy as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Now that's the past, when he was with them that first 18 months. Now, it's presumably sometime later, well, we know it's sometime later, just don't know how much later, maybe a year later even than that 18 months, and he says, and even now, you're not yet ready, for you're still of the flesh, you're still fleshly. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Yeah. So this may be talking to the Corinthians in the first century, but it's definitely talking to us in this century. Mm -hmm. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos uh, watered, and but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So he starts off with this, this agricultural example, right? So the seed is the word of God. He says, I planted the seed, right? He preached the gospel. That's the kerygma. And he said, Apollos watered. That's the didache. That's now, here's the gospel. You're established in it. Now, how do you live your daily life as a result of that? He says, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So it's God who brings about growth. So you and I might talk about spiritual growth, but it's God that's causing the growth. All you have to do is avail yourself, present yourself, allow that to happen, right? You need to receive the, the water. You need to receive the sunlight that the Lord offers uh, and not hide yourself in a room somewhere. Verse eight, he who plants and he who waters are one and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. That's the example he just used, an agricultural field. Then he says God's building. Now he moves on to that example. And this is what we're gonna talk about tonight. According to the grace of God given me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. It will be proven, it will be shown. 
for the day will disclose it. That's the day of judgment because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as one, uh, but only as through the fire, it says there. And then I mentioned this verse on Sunday morning and also looked at it briefly last week or these two verses. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you or among you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Now I jumped ahead and looked at that passage right there last week briefly. But now we're going to back up and we're going to look at these uh, verses leading up to that summary, right? So Jesus is the foundation of the temple. You and I are part of that temple. So call us bricks in that temple. So every church and every individual Christian must have their life built on that solid foundation. So Jesus said that at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you're either building on the sand or you're building on bedrock. And if you build on the sand, it doesn't matter how beautiful the building you have, it's going to be washed away. So we have lots of foundation problems in Texas. People are told to water their foundation. If you don't water your foundation, your foundation gets cracked. I remember some years back, um, we had a number of people in our church that were working for a particular pool company. And there were houses in, I want to say Plano, that were built on a former garbage dump, right? The problem with that is the garbage underneath that soil is constantly shifting. So there are problems in Texas with the the ground shifting anyway. That's why you're told to water your foundation. People that don't water their foundation end up with a cracked foundation. And you usually don't recognize the foundation being cracked. What you see is a crack in the wall. Well, there were houses, and these were nice houses, um, that the foundations were were so uh, damaged that you could stick your arm in the wall that's, well, the reason I mentioned the pool company is because these people had had pools built in their backyard. As you can well imagine, if the house has a crack in the wall that's big enough for you to stick your arm in, you're not going to hold water in your pool. Well, sadly, some of these owners were able to sue the pool company. Right? So they were foolish enough to buy a house on a garbage dump. But see, everybody wants to appeal, it's always somebody else's fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to do your research before you buy a house, before you build a house. Well, this isn't really about houses in Plano and pool companies. It's about how you build your life. Mm-hmm. It's about how we build our church. If you build your church on the foundation of the culture, the culture is constantly shifting. Your church may be huge because you're appealing to what people are hearing every day. You're, you're, you're tickling their ears. You're, 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 you know, scratching their itch, if you will, but it's not going to last. I can remember some years ago, there was the pastor of a large 
Pentecostal church, one of these media-oriented churches. Uh, in fact, I don't even remember the fellow's name. It wasn't somebody that I really followed, but he made the news because um, although this was a Pentecostal church, and Pentecostal churches, although they have a tendency to chase certain emotional issues, if you will, um, typically have some fairly conservative basic theology about who Jesus is and that he died on the cross for your sins and so forth. Uh, this guy decided to come out as a universalist. Now, do you know what a universalist is? See, again, these are not terms we throw around. That's somebody that believes that everybody is saved no matter what. Okay? Um, it's really not a matter of whether you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, everybody's ultimately going to go to heaven. Well, that's a nice thought, right? But as I've said in here many times, if uh, everybody's going to heaven, then heaven's not going to be very heavenly. Are you looking around at what a mess the earth is right now? And that's because people just do whatever they want to do. Right? Every man does what is right in his own eyes. So the world is a giant disaster. If all of those people go to heaven, how do you think heaven is going to be any different than earth? Well, God's going to rule and okay, but you're still going to have free will. So we're training right now to be part of heaven, to be like Jesus. That's why sanctification is important. Salvation leads to sanctification, right? So salvation is the beginning and the end. I, I come to Christ, I put my faith in him, and I'm saved out of the destruction this world is headed for. And that means at the end, when uh, I die, or at the very end, when I go through judgment, I'm saved from the wrath of God that is going to fall on the earth. Why is it falling on the earth? Because every man does what is right in his own eyes and everyone is in rebellion. You don't get to do whatever you want to do if you say Jesus is Lord. If you say Jesus is Lord, you're saying, I'm going to do what you want me to do, not whatever I want to do. We got to figure that deal out. Yes, salvation is by faith, uh, by grace through faith, but that leads to obedience that leads to a changed life, or you're not really saved after all. The foundation is Christ. So I can't build my church on whatever foundation. So this guy came out as a universalist, and you know, although Pentecostals are known to be very emotional and move here and there, whatever, basically, they, I mean, they just stopped going to his church. And he had this huge empire, basically, that couldn't afford to pay the rent on the building anymore because he walked away from that foundation, which is Christ. Now, there are other churches that have gone that direction and you know they've seen an increase in attendance for a period of time. But again, we're all gonna go through judgment. So it's not a matter of what this looks like here. It's a matter of what it's gonna look like when we stand before God in judgment, right? Um, so every Christian has to have life built on the solid foundation of Christ or they're destined to be swept away in the storms of life. Jesus told a parable at the end of the Sermon on the Mount that I've been alluding to here. And uh, here's what he said. This is Matthew 7, 24 through 27. 
Everyone who hears these words of mine, Jesus said, and does them. Wait. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. It's not who hears these words of mine and likes them. Hears these words of mine and agrees to them. No, the person who hears these words of mine and does them. So, um, Jesus is also described as the cornerstone, the stone that the builders rejected. And this is actually a messianic prophecy from Psalm 118. Um, this is what it says, actually. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. So that prophecy is quoted no fewer than six times in the New Testament and alluded to in Isaiah 28, 16. A life built on any other foundation is sure to come to ruin. A church built on any other foundation is not the church that Jesus established. Okay? So, you know, consider any other church that's not built on the foundation of the biblical Christ. That's not the church of Jesus Christ. That's the church in name only. So next, the apostle speaks about... Um, what is built on the foundation. So you can start with the foundation that is Christ, but then build with inferior materials. So what would that be? Well, that's a church that, yes, they believe in Jesus as the Son of God who died on the cross and rose from the grave, but they have all of these other doctrines that are not biblical, or they have all these practices that are not biblical, right? So although that church will ultimately the people will survive because they put their faith in Christ. Nothing that they've built will survive. It's just going to go up in flames. Um, notice the materials that the apostle refers to. He talks about building with um, gold and silver and precious stones. What happens when you apply fire to gold? It melts and it purifies. It doesn't go away. Same thing with silver. You apply fire to diamonds, it does nothing to them, right? They're not even going to melt. That's what we're talking about. But what happens when you apply fire to wood? Hay. Oh, that's even worse. Stubble. That's even worse. It's just, and it's just gone. Well, the fire is judgment day, right? Um, so Christ is the builder and he uses people to do his work and he is the one that uses gold, silver, and precious stones. But the preacher who pursues selfish ambition uses wood or worse hay or straw gathered at random from the ground. That's the stubble, just, you know, you gather sticks or whatever from the ground. Um, so every day people are speaking into your life. 
Okay, you're on social media. You're on Facebook. Scroll, 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 scroll. What do you read? What do you pay attention to? Who do you pay attention to? It's really important. Be careful. I, I posted this today. Um, be careful what you listen to. And other translations said, be careful what you listen to. Pay attention. For to the one who much is given, much is required. So the Lord invests time and attention to you. He's speaking to you all the time. He's seeking to communicate. We need to learn what to ignore. Right. Honestly, I mean, I use these, uh, you know, used to be back in the day, you, you bought an album and then you bought a tape. Well, for a while you bought an A-track. You, you just don't know A-track, you do, mm -hmm. right? And then you bought a cassette tape and you bought a CD. So you could buy, you could be careful and go and buy what you wanted to buy and then you just play that. So when I first became a Christian, I got rid of all my secular music and I bought Christian albums and then Christian A-tracks. That's all I played in my car. But see, if you listen to the radio, you get every kind of everything, even Christian radio. I mean, some of the music that's played on Christian radio, I'm like, what? What am I listening to right now? Are you, are you singing a praise song to yourself? You know, are you just singing a song to try to make yourself feel better? Are you trying to sound like Justin Bieber? I'm trying to understand what's going on right now, okay? Even worship bands and so forth, which is what I listen to all the time, you know, they're, until I happened upon this project that I keep rec recommending to you guys uh, by Elevation Worship and Maverick City Music called Old Church Basement, I'd been listening to some of the same worship music and I started allowing uh, these music services, which is how you listen to your music now, right? Uh, you use Apple Music or you use Pandora or you use Spotify or whatever you use. There's a bunch of them out there. And you can do the version that's free, which means uh, you can create a radio station. This is kind of a Pandora thing. You create a radio station based on a particular artist and, you know, if you create a Christian radio station, it's going to play Christian artists or whatever. But it doesn't mean you're going to like them all. But that's like listening to the radio, right? Um, and uh, I started, you know, letting Spotify create uh, a, a station. And I, it just, some of this music, I was just like, this is terrible. This is repetitive. This isn't even good, you know? And I just started getting really worn out. I was like, man, I don't even know. I'm just going to, I guess I'm going to have to start listening to classical music and not have any lyrics at all, you know. And I have playlists on my, uh, um, what used to be called iTunes, on Apple Music, that go all the way back. I've got worship and I've got soft worship. But honestly, I've listened to those songs and listened to those songs and listened. I'm kind of tired of them. I'd like to hear some, you know, newer stuff. And so this project came along. Now I've listened to it so much that I got to be careful because then it's not going to impact me like it did before. You know, you can just get too used to something that's really good. And now it's just not hitting you the same way anymore. Honestly, that's why we have to be careful even about the things that we do that are good. Sometimes you got to limit yourself and say, no, I need to be careful with that because you know what? Eating a piece of pie is good. Eating a whole pie is not good. <laughs> you know? And yeah, eating a piece of cheesecake, man, 
but eating a whole cheesecake, not a good idea, right? You got to kind of, you know, learn to limit yourself and be careful. So this is about really everything in life. It's about what you let come into your life, what you let speak into you. That's important. I just don't listen to hardly any secular music at all. And I don't listen to anything that's contemporary because it's horrible. I'm sorry, it's just horrible. Um, and this is why you're, you're poisoning your mind and you're poisoning your heart. Now, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. Um, I'm just trying to help you to understand how to have a life that is built with better materials. So you may have chosen to give Christ your life. Call Jesus Lord. You believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. You believe that he was buried. You believe that he rose on the third day. You've confessed your sins to him. You've called on his name to save you. But now you've got to build your life with better materials, man. Mm -hmm. What are we doing? Mm -hmm. What are we doing? What are you reading? What are you watching? That's what I have to be careful of. I, you know, I use these services like Apple Music and Spotify. I watch YouTube constantly, but I focus on watching stuff that I think is educational or that is oriented toward my Christian faith and that sort of thing. But you know, every so often you skew over here or there, you know, or I watch a movie and I try to be careful what I watch, but sometimes, you know, you, you're not careful enough and you end up with a bunch of poison in your brain. Um, I like watching movies at home now because then I can just fast forward past the junk. So, you know, the movie theaters are kind of back open again. I haven't gone to AMC in forever because the last time I went, uh, I've told you guys the story about the lady following me to my seat and saying, you need to wear a mask. You need to wear a mask. You need to put, put on your mask. This lady's like three feet from me. Like you're breathing on me right now. I, you know. Anyway, so I just stopped. I stopped going to AMC. I'm like, fine. Yeah, there's nobody, nobody, nobody sitting anywhere around me except you, Karen, right here in my face. <laughs> Give me a break. So stop going there. But striking real? Yeah, man, I can go there and sit down and you can order some food and, you know, watch your movie or whatever. But the problem with the movie theater is if the movie's junky, you just wasted money. Now you got to walk out. Whereas if I'm watching it on my TV, I can just fast forward past the junk, right? Or honestly, if I, you know, we just got to part this kind of downtime or whatever, I don't have to be bored through it. I can just kind of go, okay, scroll, 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 scroll. Oh, looks like some action. Okay, let's go there. And of course, sometimes you miss a little bit of this or a little bit of that, but yeah. Um, so the other day I went back and watched Infinity War and Endgame again for about the 10th time. And uh, actually, Infinity War, eh, Endgame is really, really good. There's some good stuff on there. So I was, yeah. So when, uh, when Peter Parker hugs Tony Stark after he comes back, or actually Tony Stark hugs Peter Parker, and he goes, oh, that's nice. <laughs> I was like, it was this full circle moment. I was like, I kind of didn't pay attention to that before, and I don't know why. But it, for some reason, it like really, really moved me at that point in time. So, yeah, so even secular movies, you can get something out of them. Um, but all of this, uh, you know, might seem like I've gone down this, this, you know, rabbit trail. But this is about what we use to build our life. 
So, you know, I've gone back and forth with Facebook, having it on my phone and taking it off my phone. And I've gotten to the place where I've, I've sort of found a happy medium with it. I don't have any notifications on it at all. Now, I don't know what social media you use or if you use any at all, but I have no notifications. If people say like or this or that, or that I don't know that. It just, it's blank. It wants to give you notifications and uh, it's bad. No, no notifications whatsoever, but I have it back on my phone. So periodically throughout the day, I'll just click it and see whether or not, you know, anybody has responded to anything. And, and I'll just, I'll scroll for the first, you know, I don't know, 25 or so things. And then that's that. Because you can just get mired in this and these, these endless, endless debates. I mean, people are still debating the vaccine. I mean, seriously, you know, I, I mean, I shocked half of my people on my Facebook when I decided to go ahead and, and uh, you know, and get the shot. And then somebody, you know, somebody mentioned something here yesterday or, or so uh, about it. And I said, well, you know, they were opposed to it. And I said, well, I did my research and I got it. And it's like, no, no, your world is going to end. You're going to die. Okay. Let's... <laughs> And I didn't even appeal to the spiritual side. I didn't say I prayed about it, but I did pray about it. And But it's one of those things where I don't want to get into that. I don't want to argue with my friends. I love you guys. And so we just end up getting into these meaningless debates. And really, they are meaningless in the end. So if you don't want to get the shot, don't get it. It's okay. And if you want to get it, I got it so that you would feel okay about getting it and feel safe about it. And I realize that that's what's at issue. There are folks out there, you just don't feel safe at all. And I understand. But we need to get along. We need to love on each other. And so as the result, I'm just careful about all this stuff. I'm really careful about what I let get into my head, right? Because it will just, you just dwell on it. And it, it just, it, you have to deal with it all day. There was a while back in 2015 and 16 when I was entering into these debates on Facebook on a regular basis, and I would spend time just thinking through my responses because I thought, well, there's other people reading this and I want to, you know, but it was like, oh, well, you know, I'd be concerned. Okay, I just said this and there are certain people on there and they may post stuff that is going to be you know, incendiary and hateful and whatever. So I need to be careful. And so I'd, I'd go back and check, oh my goodness, you know, what if they, now I don't care. Yeah, I'm just, I'm not into that. I'm not gonna debate whatever. I'm just gonna say, okay, and present some material. But this is a part of guarding your heart for from it are the wellsprings of life. You have to be careful what comes in here, what comes in here, right? What comes in here, what gets in here, because that's, it's, it's those thoughts that we build our life on, really. And that's why it's important for you to get into the Word. That's important for you to have uh, good, solid teaching from a church um, and not just go after all of these prophets and preachers and evangelists and whatever online. Anybody can do that. Uh, here we're trying to teach you the Word, okay? We're trying to help you to have that, that solid material to build your life with, okay? Well, there are churches today that have left the foundation of Christ for sure. Um, 
More, many more churches still believe, but are building on the foundation with substandard materials. So you got churches that have left that foundation entirely, and you got churches that are on the foundation, but they're not building with good materials. So for instance, a health wealth gospel is not the gospel. The social gospel is not the gospel. Calvinism is not the gospel. Much of the what was once called the emergent church. And then all they speak about is the church, and that's not the gospel. Talking about building Baptist churches is not the gospel. Social justice is not the gospel. Books about living your best life now are not the gospel. Conservative politics, even family values, is not the gospel. The gospel is what you have heard preached in this church consistently, regularly. It's what the Apostle Paul reminded the Corinthians of later in chapter 15. And I've said it a number of times here, but now I'll quote it. 1 Corinthians 15, three through four. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And then he goes into a series of appearances uh, that uh, Christ's appearances to those uh, after his resurrection. He, appear, he appeared to Peter, and then he appeared to the 12. Uh, then he uh, appeared to all the apostles. He appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Uh, he appeared to James. And then the apostle Paul says, uh, last of all, he appeared to me as to one born out of time, untimely born, right? So, we build on that foundation. That's the foundation. Now, that's not the only thing we teach. That's the gospel, though. Now, when I went to the National Day of Prayer, um, I was asked to, to speak there and to pray. I just spoke the name of Jesus. In fact, I'm going to do this in our church. I'm praying about when. But I just, you know, we talk about all this stuff. It's about Jesus. And I had them say him, say the name of Jesus. Now I remember, and again, you'll, you'll hear this in this church again at some point in the not too distant future, but I remember that during the protests last summer, right, in the wake of the, uh, the George Floyd incident, um, there were protests all over this country. And there was a peaceful protest out there on the square. But it, you know, it was led by a young lady, I don't know who it was, but she said, say his name, say his name. And everybody said, George Floyd. And then she said so-and-so's name, blah, so-and-so's name, da, da. That's awesome, I get it. Say his name. His name is Jesus. That's where the power is. That's the gospel. That's what we build our lives on. Not all these other things. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's not power in any other name. There's salvation in the name of Jesus. There's salvation in no other name because there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. No other name. None. None. There's one name. It's the name of Jesus. Figure that out. That's what you're supposed to be building on, right? So we build on that foundation and we build in the power of the Holy Spirit because he's the mortar that holds it all together. And we teach what Jesus taught. We seek to live those values out in our world, right? That's what life wells about. We're seeking to live those values out in our world. So what's the fire 
that will test each man's work. That's judgment day and it's coming. It's coming in every one of our lives. It is appointed for everyone who wants to die and then comes judgment. The Apostle Paul likened this testing to fire. John the baptizer promised that Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descended in tongues of fire. But our God is a consuming fire. So when we surrender our lives to Jesus for service, we may be baptized in the Holy Spirit. When we go through trouble and trial, we begin to be baptized in fire. But the day will come when everything you and I have done or not done for Jesus will be evaluated by the one whose eyes are a burning flame. Jesus' eyes are a burning flame. Revelation 1.14. The selfish, silly, superficial things we valued and taught will be burned up. I don't think there's going to be many copies of your best life now left in Judgment Day. If I have come to know Christ genuinely, then I will survive judgment and enter heaven. That's what he said. He said, your works will be burned up, but if the foundation is Christ, you will survive, but as one who is coming out of a burning building, right? For those who live for themselves or who believed and built their lives and ministries with worldly things, well, they'll be saved, but as a man running out of a burning building. So what are you living for? What are you building your life upon? What are you building your life with? Remember, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are holy. We belong to God. Those who would destroy that temple will themselves be destroyed. And here's verses 16 and 17 again. Do you not know that you are God's temple? I quoted this on Sunday. And that God's spirit lives within you. And that means within you all or among you all. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are, you all are that temple. Now you as an individual, we're going to see in chapter six, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. But we together are the temple of God, right? Um, so collectively, then we form this great temple and the Holy Spirit lives among us. The church is comprised of all who have responded to God's call to come out of the world and to submit to the authority of Jesus Christ. We gather in organized local communities, churches, individual churches, we call those, to support, to encourage, to equip, and to admonish and to keep each other accountable. So when someone disrespects the church, or disrupts the church, or divides the church, that person is in grave danger. The Apostle Paul threatened that here. Even a weak church is God's temple, and he promises to protect it. Now, I could tell you stories about those in the early days of this church that sought to destroy it. And some of them are no longer around. None of them are in this church any longer. And I didn't have to do anything. That's right. Now, I'm here to preach the, the gospel. But here we are, 22 years later. And we've survived the pandemic now. One in five churches won't reopen. But we're still here. That's right. We're waiting on the Lord. 
We might not have huge numbers, but we've got lots of babies. Yes. Right? We've got wonderful people like y'all that have been coming for a long time. Some that have been coming for all 22 years. Some that have been coming for a decade. Some that have been coming for, you know, five years or whatever. But we're still here. Um, and we need to be about the business of praying for one another and praying for this church. Now, I would say pray for the church, but there's this idea that, you know, just the church. Why does the church do this? What does that even mean? Right? The church expresses itself in local churches. So, yeah, I pray for other churches. I think, you know, I want them to succeed. But I'm focused on this church. You need to be focused on your church. That doesn't mean don't, you know, pray for other people. But I, I don't, we don't need to have everybody go here. Anybody's welcome here. We don't need to have everybody go here. There's, you know, half a dozen churches when there's stones throw of, of this building. And other people probably need to go to the, some of those other churches. There's a church right across the street over here. I think that they're a good church. It's a Spanish-speaking church. All right, their services are in Spanish. Well, if Spanish is your first language, you might feel confident going over there. I've met their pastor. I want to say his name is Francisco. Seems like a nice guy. Um, yeah, there's other churches. But I'm here for you. I mean, so people that don't understand that, that just drift from building to building to building, congregation to congregation, you're not a part of a church. You're not. You haven't figured it out yet. Well, I don't need to go to church. I, I go to the lake and, well, okay. But Jesus called us to gather in local communities. Jesus called us to worship together. That's why the pandemic was so hard. Many people were not able to gather with their churches face to face. We try to do stuff like this, which is great. It's understandable, but it's, it's not the same thing. I mean, bless you guys. I, I hope you join us every week online, but it's not the same thing, honestly. Um, you need to be with people. And that's what the church is about. That's why Jacob's been coming ever since he could come, right? And, you know, I mean, he's got a disability. He's one of the people that would be in danger. But he's here, got his mask on, and he's coming. He's got it figured out. Some people don't have it figured out. We just think that the church is a convenience. Well, if I can come, then I'll come. Um, oh, we need each other. I need you. We need each other. We need to gather, right? Um, so we need to continue to love one another even when we annoy one another, even when we don't agree on politics, even when we don't agree on the vaccine, even when we don't agree on face masks, right? It, who cares? <laughs> who cares? We got to love each other we got to pray for each other. So we're here for you. Um, hopefully, you know, some of you that couldn't be here this week, you'll come next week on Wednesday or you'll be here on Sunday, but uh, we need each other. Christ has called us together. We need to continue to love one another. Um, and just remember, disrespect is dirty. That's right. It's just wrong. Any kind of disrespect, disrespect for another person who's a Christian, a member of your church, 
disrespect for the preacher. It's wrong. It's wrong. You cannot justify it is wrong. And we're all going to be called to account for it. And that's destroying the church. The church is people, not a building. You're the building. You're the building. Don't disrespect these other people. You get on your, your Facebook and you, you say these things. Do you understand what you're doing? Don't destroy God's church or God will destroy you. Yes. And I don't, I'm not trying to be mean or threaten anybody. I'm trying to warn you. I'm trying to admonish you. Pay attention, friends. It might be wise to just get off social media altogether if you can't resist being disrespectful to people. Because it's built on controversy and conflict. And we see something on our timeline and no, no, stop. Stop. Is that what Jesus would say? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you sure about that? Did you pray about that before you posted it? Bet you didn't. Bet you just posted it. Careful. If you destroy God's church, his people, God will destroy you. So don't run the church down. That means don't run God's people down. Don't ignore the church. You can turn it off and tune it out. Not ever watch another one of these YouTubes. Not go to church again. But see, you're destroying the church too by not being a part of it when he's called you to be a part of it, right? So no matter how justified you feel in leaving a church, it's sad when you burn bridges between yourself and those with whom you once worshiped and had sweet fellowship. It's just sad as people leave because of silly reasons, political reasons, pandemic reasons. I mean, there's folks I haven't seen in this building in over a year. Why? I don't know. Right? So don't burn bridges. Love each other. Let's love one another. Let's be there for one another. Let's care for one another. And let's realize that we are God's temple. God's spirit lives among us and with within us and God's temple is holy and that's what we are right so maybe where we need to start is with forgiveness we just need to put the past in the past forgive one another for all of our political leanings one way or the other all the division that we've allowed ourselves to enter into because of the the protests and because of the pandemic and politics and realize that we need to follow Jesus and we need to fellowship with one another. That's the church. And we're gonna be joined together in unity when we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us to overflow. Because the Holy Spirit generates, creates unity among us. Amen? Amen. All right, so that's it for this week. Thank you for joining us. Hope you come Sunday or come next Wednesday or both.